0: The world of dog sports has lots of options to keep your dog's four paws busy. Let's dive deeper in four paws sports.
1: And welcome back to another uh, episode from the four paws sports uh, studio here. I'm Jeff and I'm joined along here with Mary tonight. Hey everybody. And tonight, uh, well, since we uh, we uh, did go through the uh, National Agility Championship, we thought it would only be fair just to uh, bring out the uh, NOC, or for those who aren't familiar, like myself necessarily, the National Obedience Championship. And along with me tonight, of course, because Mary is uh, an expert in obedience here, and she just came back from there, I figure it was best probably to go ahead and uh, we'll, we'll bring them the expert here and ask her all the questions about it. I know nothing about the event itself. So Mary, where was this, uh, where was this held at?
0: So we were at at the Robert Center in Wilmington, Ohio, which is kind of western, southwestern Ohio-ish, I think. I don't know. Kind of south of Dayton, near Dayton.
1: The Wilmington Center. um, Is that the one that Royal Canaan sponsors? Yeah. You can Okay. I wasn't sure that was a building or not there
0: that is their building. So it's a pretty cool space. Like they have a big show area. They have both, um, they have like interlocking blue mats that are slightly like rubberized, but slightly fuzzy tops. And then they also have turf kind of like they have at the, um, at Purina or at, uh, the invitational. Um, and they've got a nice big space. They've got area for RVs. They have fenced in some fenced in areas to let dogs around. They have like one really nice big field and then a couple of smaller, places that the dogs can run. Um, they've got a hotel attached. So it's nice. It's a nice place to show it's a nice venue.
1: Awesome. Yeah. I've heard a lot of good things about that place. Um, they just, I don't think they've done agility there. I know they've had some stuff outside, but it, it definitely, I don't think can handle what Perina does at this point yet. I don't, I don't think so. Maybe not. I mean, you could tell me you've been oh. there for both between both places.
0: I haven't done agility there, but I do know um, our Samoyed National Specialty will be there in 2025, and we will be doing agility. They do have agility equipment, and they do have footing for agility, so we will be doing agility in the Robert Center. So I have not seen it done there, but my understanding is that everything is there that we need to have an agility trial.
1: Nice, nice. Well, that'll be fun to look forward to you have a nice building and you won't be outside so nobody suffers from the heat or the rain
0: exactly well everything on site like that is nice because then everybody can watch and and the agility or trial chair fate. doesn't have to find it <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> find stuff. Or, or
1: my or my favorite memory having to scale the fence to get into the park
0: <laughs> yeah, that's a story for another day we should really do because yeah that was me probably owing jeff a lot more than a regular judging <laughs> seat <be> with that.
1: <laughs> <laughs> oh, good memories, good memories. I, I wouldn't trade those in for the world. There. Uh, all right. Well, back to the obedient, national obedience championship. All right. So, walk us through. How, what's the way what you do you qualify here?
0: Um, well, I'm going to start. So, I actually did two events there. I did the rally national championship and the national obedience championship, and they're held one right after the other. So, rally goes first. For Rally, you need to um, get three scores of 93 out of 100 or better in your respective level. So in Rally, you have Novice, Intermediate, Advanced, Excellent, and Master. And so if you're going for an individual class, you need, like for instance, um, I had Raz qualified in Novice and I had Pepper qualified in Excellent. So they earned those by earning three scores of 90 or 93 or better on their way to their, um, respective titles. Um, for the championship class, you need three triple Qs. So three times qualifying in advanced B excellent B and masters, um, with scores of 93 or better. Um, so hex, I had hex and sonnet qualified for championship. And then, um, I had pepper qualified and excellent. And then I had ras qualified novice for um and the qualifying period is uh was it december 1st through november 30th i believe each year so and then for obedience it depends a little bit so you need to be in the top you get it, the top three dogs by Och points for each breed get invited um and you need to get arch points for those that are are unaware in obedience, you have your obedience trial champion and you earn points to your, to your arch by placing first or sometimes second, or sometimes even third or fourth in open B and utility B after you've earned your utility title, you cannot earn points until you've earned your utility dog title. Um, How many points you get is based off of how many dogs you beat. You can also get arch points by, Getting a score, even if you don't place by getting a score of 197 or better, you will get one point for that. So, the first way you can qualify is being in the top three by OCH points for your breed um, for the qualifying period. And that's how I got in um, for Samoyeds because there's not very many Samoyeds competing and earning OCH points. Um, basically getting a notch point is probably going to get you in. So, and Sonnet literally had one because <laughs> she just finished her utility title, um, right before the end. Like she finished her utility title, like on November 21st. And that day she earned a third in utility on her third leg. So that was her first notch point. Um, so she literally had one. So I had hex qualified. I did not enter her cause I promised her she didn't have to do this anymore. And then I had, um, Uh, Sonic qualified and then Debbie Cedar who's been doing obedience a long time with her Sammy says nice job from Wisconsin she was also qualified so it was a big year because we had three Sammies qualified Um, now breeds that have a higher percentage of dogs showing like Border Collies um, Golden Retrievers they actually take a higher sometimes will take a higher percentage of dogs kind of depending on how many of them showed Um, So you can get more dogs like more Goldens or more Border Collies. Shelties sometimes qualify for that. Um, So you can get some more dogs in that way. The other way you get in to the NOC is by placing in a regional qualifier. So there's, are there four or six or something like that? I don't know. I've never paid attention because I don't need a regional qualifier to get to the NOC. (laughs) But (laughs) regional qualifiers are, um, they're regular obedience trials, but they're, but they're designated a regional qualifier um, by the AKC and they're three-day trials. They have to be a three-day trial and you have to have three judges and you have to be, you have to show to um, all three judges over the weekend and basically your top four dogs cumulatively at the end of the weekend get in. That being said, you will always have four dogs qualify for our regional qualifier. No matter, you know, at each regional qualifier, So let's say I go to the regional qualifier in Topeka in August and let's say I place in the top four. Well, I'm already qualified to go to the NOC. So then they would take the fifth dog. And let's say maybe one of the other dogs that places is the number one golden retriever. Well, then that dog is already in anyway. So then they'd take the sixth place dog. So they will always take four dogs out of the regional qualifier. So it may, you may not have to be in the top four to get in. Um, So there ended up being, I think, 143 dogs, I think, something like that, that competed um, in the NOC this year. Um, So I think 150-ish entered. And then not everybody, you know, different reasons you end up not making it. But um, And then in rally, we had, what, 183 dogs in championship class. Um, there were 111 in excellent. There were 192 in novice. So, I mean, it's rally's a bigger event than the NOC, but they're both both good size events. There's both a lot of competition in both.
1: Well, it's interesting you say the number of dogs, because without me knowing, I had a totally different uh, take of what was going to uh, what was going to show up. Because I'm used to the agility uh, nationals here. We're, we're talking 900,000, 1,100 dogs, and that's oh, 150. It's a good showing. I, that, that actually kind of blows me away. I was not expecting it. But also to think about, though, obedience and rally exercises are longer in general for competition, mm-hmm. so it has to be more strenuous there. Um, so we talked about National obedience Championship for the qualifications. What about the Rally National Championship? I don't remember if you covered that.
0: I did, but um yeah, so you have to basically get three scores of ninety-three or better in your respective level. Okay. To get into rally. And then for championship, you have to get um three triple Qs where their your scores are ninety-three or better. So advanced excellent master. Okay. Gotcha. Yeah. Okay, cool. Well so, let's
1: talk about let's talk about your success for the weekend because I know you sent me a picture with uh, I don't remember I which dog it was because they're all white and fluffy, and I can never remember which one's which. <laughs>
0: um well our our best showing definitely came in the rally nationals um the girls did me proud uh i'll i'm gonna go worst to first as it were um which i don't like saying that so pepper was my one. Oh, she was very excited to be there um she just i kept asking her who put crack in her breakfast because she was just like wee, wee, wee all weekend long and so the first day we're we we were not that far into our course and there was one of the exercises in excellent is uh that you can have is send over the jump while the handler passes by. So the dog's supposed to be healing with you, and as you get close to the jump, you tell the dog to jump and they can go jump and they can get out ahead of you and everything. They don't have to heal over the jump, but then they need to come back to you before you do the next sign. They just need to be under control. So like it's okay if they're exuberant, but they just need to come right back and then get back in heal position. Well, Pepper, we turned, and I don't know what she was thinking, but she, she took off like her little naked tail was on fire and blasted right... And I didn't have time to tell her to jump. I was like, where are you going? You're supposed to be healing. And she blasted right past the jump. And so that's a that's what we call an IP or an incorrect performance. Um, and actually, in a regular rally trial at every level other than masters, if your dog does a sign wrong, you can go back and do the sign again and you lose like three points for trying over. Except jumps, you can never redo jumps. Um, (laughs) So if you miss the jump the first time, it's always a minus 10 for an incorrect performance or an IP. At rally nationals, you can't at any level, you can't redo a sign. Um, It's always an automatic IP or incorrect performance and minus 10 if you don't do it right the first time. So even at a regular trial, she was, you know, up a creek as soon as she went barreling past the jump. So she went flying down the side, all excited for I don't even know what. I called her back. She's like, oh, come on. Turned around, raced back, leapt over the jump on the way back, got her back in heel, sent her over the jump the way she was supposed to. And we finished up. And so... Um, and rally a perfect score is a hundred points and we got an 88 out of 100 because we lost 10 for screwing up the jump. And then two more points generally because she was quite enthusiastic and a little less than obedient, <laughs> a little less than precise. Um, but then she came back, uh, the next, And I kind of changed my handling strategy. Pepper is usually not that enthusiastic about working. Sometimes she is. And sometimes she's annoyed that I have interrupted her day with asking her to behave. (laughs) So I changed my strategy and Pepper does have her utility title and obedience. She is pretty well trained. Um, And in rally, you can talk to your dog and usually I'm talking to her and encouraging her and telling her what a good dog she is. And, and I'm telling because you can talk to your dog and give extra commands. I'm like telling them everything to do. Like I'm not really giving them, I'm not giving them time to make a decision. And I changed my handling strategy and basically just put my hand up like I would for obedience. And I said, heal and I didn't say anything else and just expect her to follow me. And that kind of helped her tune in. And then instead of telling her that she was good, like I normally do, I just shut up because she was having her own party all by herself. So and then she did really well. She got a 98 and a 99 out of a hundred. So that actually cumulatively put her at 285 out of 300 points and put her, um, I think 36th out of 111 dogs. So, you know, that's respectable. And had she not, you know, done her <laughs> flying, flying dog impersonation on the first day would have, uh, She would have been, she would have been in the top 20, I believe. Um, she would have been right up there. So I was, I was pleased with her that she came back so nicely. And then I had two dogs in the championship class. I had Sonnet and Hex and that was a grueling day. So the championship dogs, every other level ran three times. Championship dogs ran four times. So they ran twice on, um, Friday and twice on Saturday And I tell you what, I feel bad for those judges that were judging the championship courses because you had, you started judging at 830 in the morning and you had 183 dogs doing the same course. And sounds familiar. I know, but it's, and there were some, I didn't want, I mean, I didn't have time to watch. I was showing four dogs. There were some complaints that maybe As the day went on, maybe the judging was a little less consistent that maybe people were getting a little glassy eyed, which is thoroughly understandable because to literally watch the exact same course. I mean, normally if you're judging, even if it was a really full rally trial, first of all, you still wouldn't have 183 dogs. Second of all, you judge a level, you'd set your course, you'd walk the course, you would judge the course, just like you would in agility, right? And then you'd change the course where you as a judge have a little time to take a break and whatever. And the course gets built and then you check it and then you judge your new course. And then you get a new course. Well, these people literally judge the same course from eight 30 in the morning till after five o'clock at night. <laughs> and Jeez. that's rough. Like, um, and so I don't, I can say I, there were some question if the calls, if the judging was consistent throughout the day. And, and like I say, I didn't have time to watch, but I could see how maybe it would get inconsistent. Cause honestly, I don't know how you, I don't know how you would stay that on your game that day long. Cause they really didn't have time. I mean, they got a lunch break, of course, but basically right. you couldn't take, I mean, you run to the bathroom here and there, but you really couldn't take breaks otherwise because you would have been there till midnight, you know. Right. So so that was that was long. So Hex and Sonnet, um out of a hundred, they got they ended up cumulatively each with three hundred and ninety-seven out of four hundred points. Um, which is quite respectable. Uh the top the the tenth dog finished with three hundred and ninety-eight out of 400 so um you know we were right up there and they actually finished my dogs finished 19th and 20th overall out of 183 dogs so i was really pleased with them um the mistakes they had were pretty honest little blip mistakes um you know stuff that happens and you know i was i was they they definitely looked like they belonged i was really pleased they worked hard all weekend especially hex got better well they both got better every time really i mean um. Good. And then, so exactly, before. exactly. And you know, I didn't even get worried. I didn't try to figure out where I was. I looked at the results later, and it's a, it's unfortunate. Like they, they award at the end of the first day in championship class. They they give an award to the top twenty dogs, but it, when it's all said and done, they do awards for the top ten. So we didn't get, we didn't get anything prize wise. But you know, like I say, I was real proud of them. They they definitely showed they belonged with the best dogs in the country and they worked hard for me. And, um, you know, I was, I was really pleased with them. I thought they did great. And they both, both of them, their last run was a perfect score. And, you know, at the end of a long day like that, I can't complain. But the highlight, the highlight was Raz. So Raz is not mine. Raz, um, is actually, she's related. She's a half sister to, to Sonnet. They have the same dad, but Raz lives in Minnesota with Lois Bielke is her owner's name. And she's also owned, co-owned by um, Julie Rydstrand and um, Drea Dunkel. And Raz came to me originally last spring with the goal of getting just some manners and also some retrieve training to help her owner. Cause she's got like some shoulder issues and stuff. Um, so like to help her pick up stuff around the house. But then she was like, well, while you've got her, you know, maybe show her in confirmation a little bit because we want to get her finished eventually. And let's put a rally novice title on her. So she's eligible for working sweepstakes at specialties. I'm like, okay. So last May I got, um, I put a rally novice title on her, but I didn't actually train her. Like I didn't teach her any competitive attention. I didn't teach her competitive healing. She had a nice loose leash walk and a sit and a down and a come, and I basically handled our way through. But she got like I think a hundred and a ninety nine and two ninety eights in her four times in the rally novice ring. And I was like, "Oh, good, mission accomplished, yay!" And didn't think too much of it. Well, then of course you get the email that your dog's eligible for Rally Nationals, and so I said to Lois, "I said, hey, congratulations, Raz is eligible for Rally Nationals," and she said, "Well, do you want to take her?" And I went okay. And (laughs) I said, but I'm going to need to actually teach her to heal if we're going there. (laughs) And so they sent her back to me. I had her back for a month to show her in confirmation a few times and to teach her how to some moving attention. So like the very foundation of healing. And then she went back home and then I got her back two weeks ago and brushed her up and took her and thought, you know, let's see what we can do. So she's not trained. I mean, you know, she's her training is very basic. And I tell you what, I was so proud of that dog because especially her first two runs, you would never in a million years guess that this dog had essentially six weeks of attention training and that's it. Like she really, and you know, this is a big venue. This is eight rings going at once. It's a lot. And she just went out there and absolutely nailed it. And then her third run, I was a little concerned warming up. Like I could tell that her brains were starting to smoke a little bit. You know, she was kind of looking at me like, you want me to do what? (laughs) Uh, But she, I mean, she just really, she rose the occasion in the ring and I'd help her a little more. But that's the nice thing about rally is you can kind of talk them through it. and, And as long as they're responding and as long as they're responding to you, you can handle your way to help your dog even if they're not being as snappy in their responses. And so she ended up with a perfect score of 300 out of 300. And um, in rally, there's not runoffs like there are in regular obedience. Um, They time you when you're doing the course. And um, in case of a tie, um, time breaks the tie. So when it's all said and done, I believe seven or eight of the top 10 dogs were perfect 300s. And Raz ended up fourth out of all that. So that was, that was really exciting. I was really, really proud of her. I mean, I was proud of her before I knew how she finished, but I was really proud that she was able to go there. And like I say, she doesn't live with me. She's not my dog. She's has had really very minimal training and she just really gave me everything she had. She was, she, she was quite a trooper. I was real proud of her.
1: Well, I mean, that's impressive for such a crash course uh, for, for, you know, everything you had to do with her within those six weeks right before such a big competition. And she held up underneath all that pressure too, because
0: yep.
1: I don't know about you, but Nationals is always always a lot of pressure because there's mm-hmm. never a, another nationals. There's always another normal local trial. There's always another one to fix it right. there, but there's never another nationals for that year. So right. yeah, that's that's impressive. That that is so great. So congratulations on that one. You
0: Thank you. Um, Thank you. Well, and I have to say that I'm going to give myself some props for a hot second because each day we walked our courses in the morning. Like they had, you know, they had people divided up in groups. I mean, kind of like Nationals for Agility and you walk your courses. And so like I had, there were um, six walkthrough slots in the morning. And the first day I was in four of the six walkthrough slots. And in the second day, I was in all six of the walkthrough slots. So you walk all the courses you're going to do for the day in the morning, and then you start. Well, needless to say, I had absolutely no idea which course was what. I was basically walking out there, um, you know, and my brain was fried enough by the end of day two that I couldn't even told you what exercises I was going to come across when I came to the science. (laughs) (laughs) And I was proud of myself because I have been known in the past to skip a sign um, or get to a sign and be like, oh, wait, what am I supposed to do? And I was proud of me that I did not do anything to screw my dogs up. Um, We were able to, and the dogs, of course, met me halfway by doing their job. So I didn't have to manage them, which is a lot of times when you end up missing stuff. And so I was proud of all of us because we all went in the ring and did our jobs under you know, try, I mean, it's, it's a national competition. It's supposed to be tough. And, you know, the dogs and I both held up our ends of the bargain and, you know, that's pretty, that I was proud of all of us for that. So. Well,
1: that's awesome. So back to the rally portion of things, uh, like in agility, you know, we get the eight minute walkthrough there. What kind of walk uh, walkthrough are you situated with, at chant at the, uh, Rally national championships at there versus a local trial. What what's the difference?
0: Similar um, in that walkthroughs. So what they did is they did um, walkthroughs started at seven twenty and they went until eight twenty. And so you had blocks ten minute blocks. So you'd have however many people were in a group walk. I think it was like thirty walk the course um, for ten minutes and then you'd switch clear the one and start the next. And so everybody, each new group switched out at once. I would say the bit, which is pretty typical of a local trial in that walkthroughs are generally about 10 minutes long. Um, the main things that were different is that I don't think I've, I don't think I've ever been in a rally class with 30 people in it. Um, <laughs> so that, that does make it more challenging because just like in agility, some courses tend to double back on themselves or whatever. Same kind of thing in rally. Um, like one of our novice courses used the offset serpentine each direction, which was new and kind of cool. It was cool for running, but it was not cool for walking through because people were like, you know, crashing into each other out there. So just negotiating, navigating through that many people, especially that many nervous people. I mean, you know, people are get nervous at a regular trial, but the definitely, you know, people are more nervous at a national competition. And so that many nervous people out there trying to walk a course at once you know it just it adds a little bit of and then normally at a trial you just like an agility trial you walk your course. they set the course you walk your course then everybody runs and then you change to the next like let's say if i'm doing if i'm working on championship legs at a normal local trial they'll set master's I will walk my master's course and then it's my turn. I'll run my master's course and everybody's done. Then they change it to excellent. And then I walk my course and then I run my excellent course and then they change it. So I don't, I have never been in a situation before where I had to walk a bunch of courses and then come back hours later and run them. Um, (laughs) (laughs) The rally, like I've done that in agility, but I've never done it in rally. And right. And so that, that I will say that the fact that I often go to local trials where I am showing a million dogs and a whole bunch of different stuff was really good practice for that because it's not unusual for me to have conflicts and miss the walkthrough and have to go in and run a rally course cold. And that was probably my best prep for this is because, like I say, even though I'd walked it and there were a few things I'd be like, oh, yeah, I got to remember after the offset serpentine that I have to do a 90 degree like or a 180 and I have to get back because the next sign's back against the wall. Like there were some stuff like that. I'd watch it or look at the map again and be like, oh, yeah, that's right. I got to do that. But it wasn't like a typical course where you walk it and you still kind of have it in your head when you go out there. Um, I was just making sure I was doing the numbers in the right order and reading the sign when I got there. So <laughs> it was not, not the way I would do a typical trial. Well,
1: so uh, definitely all interesting to me there. Um, is this your first one you've been to or is this how many have you been to so far? This
0: is my second. Um, I've qualified a lot and mm-hmm. I haven't. There's only one other time that I entered and got in. Well, it's not true. I entered and got in last year and then Sonic got pregnant. I mean, on purpose, but. She got pregnant. So, saying,
1: oh, right, <laughs> whose choice was that first
0: off? Yeah, it was my choice, definitely not hers. Um, <laughs> and so the puppies were born two days after Rally Nationals last year. So, obviously, we stayed home. Um, it's 2020. So I think you
1: could give all those puppies like a leg up. You know, she carries them, and don't they get credit for those runs?
0: I think they might have frowned on her dripping milk through the course.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Oh, that yeah, that might have been a problem.
0: (laughs) That might have been bad. Um, I feel like maybe that would have put the puppy's health in danger to be like, here, let's come to this giant event. (laughs) Um, But we did go in twenty twenty. In twenty twenty, they moved the N O C and the R N C down to um, Orlando and held it in conjunction with the Invitational and. So I did go down to the NOC and the RNC then. Um, previously, like I've done the NOC. I start, I went for the first time in 2019 with Hex. I'd qualified before, but I'd never gone. And so Hex was my first one I took in 2019. So I'd, I've been to that several years in a row. But 2020 was the first time I also did rally. And Sonnet and I went. She was qualified at novice. And actually Sonnet finished second overall in rally novice with two perfect scores that year. Um, nice. so, so that's my only, so apparently I do a good job if I take furry white dogs with the same dad to rally novice. <laughs> <laughs> hmm, seems
1: to be a common denominator there.
0: Uh, so- bring your daddy and take your puppy to rally nationals is what you do.
1: <laughs> so, in your experience right now, would you say that the nationals are growing at that point? Because I mean, to me, the numbers are just seem seems little from the agility perspective. So, I, I don't know the answer to that.
0: Um, yeah, I think one thing they did this year that was really smart. Um, first of all, they expanded it to two days, which I suspect they're going to continue to do. In the past, rally was one day only, and that made for a really long day i mean in 2020 it was a smaller venue because a lot of people didn't go a lot of people entered and didn't go uh for both rally and obedience um whereas this year you didn't have nearly as many dogs absent um and then they expanded it um one thing they did that was really smart in the past you had so many dogs and i'm I'm not giving you accurate numbers. I'm just going to give this an example. so let's say there's seventy five dogs in novice and seventy five in excellent and seventy five in advanced and seventy five in masters and a hundred in championship, and those are your limits and so once like once championship gets to their hundred dogs, they'll keep a wait list through like I think it's um early April that they keep the wait list. It's not very long, unfortunately, or like end of May, March, something like that and then that's it. And so each level has their, their allotted number. And then when you hit that, that's it. And if you don't draw in off the wait list, you know, people don't scratch in front of you fairly early after entries close. There's not a whole lot of time between the time the entries close and the time you can't, they won't even take dogs off the wait list. Um, you're just out of luck. And one thing they did this year that I thought was intelligent is they had okay, we're allowing, you know, X number of dogs at each level. But then when it got a certain level time before closing, if or after closing, but before you could pull in off the wait list or whatever, um, what they did was, okay, if I've got, uh, I'm allowing 60 dogs and masters and only 45 are entered, then those other 15 spots can go to a, class that has a big wait list. And so that's why, so I think novice and championship class, I think are your two biggest classes, generally speaking. And so that's what allowed, in fact, novice was the biggest class this year. Um, that allows like masters never fills because most dogs that are in masters, um, they're, they're not qualified for masters. They're qualified for championship. You have to show what the highest level you're qualified for So like Pepper actually during the qualifying period would have qualified in both advanced and excellent. But because excellence, a higher level, that's the level she has to go in. Well, most dogs, because once you get your excellent title, you can start simultaneously working on your RAE, your and your rally champion and your rally master title all at the same time. Most people don't only enter masters. They enter all three classes to work on their championship. So when they qualify, they qualify for the championship. So there's not a lot of dogs that are actually eligible usually for masters. So that was, um, you know, or you get dogs, like I say that will do a few levels in a year. Well then like advanced and intermediate and um, aren't generally as big. And intermediate is not required. It's an optional step in between novice and advanced, but you don't have to do it. So some people just skip it. So then not as many people are qualified there. So it was, I thought a really good move on the part of AKC to say, okay, we have room for however many, 850 dogs, whatever it was at rally nationals and basically making room. So you can take 850 dogs instead of being like, well, I'm capping each class and, and then you have multiple classes that have room and multiple classes with huge wait lists and people that would have loved to come show they could have gotten in. So that was a, that, that was a good move. And so it's, so it is bigger than it was. Um, and like I say, with it being two days that allowed them, I think, to have more, more entries. And so I would expect that it probably won't get bigger because I don't know how you would fairly judge it if you did. Um, I don't think it's fair to ask the judges longer than they already were. And, you know,
1: obedience next to confirmation are the two most subjective things in the most Mm judge type of events there. So to be able to be consistent um, for your calls, that that's definitely something that's going to be tough. And that is mentally taxing. I mean, just myself um, as an agility judge doing 350 runs in a day, I, I mean, the refusals to kind of get a little bit bland uh, by the time I get to not this. So, yeah, I, exactly. I can only imagine the these preciseness of healing and sitting and stays and uh, downs and everything else that they'll be just have to look for there. That that really does get to be mentally taxing.
0: It does. And, and the thing of it is like, OK, at Nationals for agility, you can set the same course, you know, and you can make sure you've got the same yardage set. And even if you split up a class between two different rings and two different judges, it can be pretty fair. It can be pretty equitable and you know, yeah. Okay. You're always going to have calls that maybe one judge say, okay, yeah, that's close enough. That's a refusal. And one judge is it. But for the most part, you either, you did it or you didn't, you either hit the contact or you didn't, you know, whatever. So it's a lot more, I think, it's easier to split up the judging duties and still keep it fair throughout the class in agility. The thing about obedience, I, you know, I don't think, or for rally, I don't think it's really um, realistic to set the same course. Even if you set the exact same course, because like you say, rally is more subjective and it depends too on like where the judge decides to be because a good judge is going to pick their, their path that they watch you from. So they're judging the same aspects of everybody. Well, certain places, you know, you may not be able to see a front as well or a finish as well. Well, if, you know, if I am judging a course and somebody else is judging a course, but we pick a different judging path, then we're judging different things. Well, then I can't, it's probably not super fair to combine, to compare my scores to the other judges scores, because they're going to be a little different. Um, And, and so I don't really know how you would get that championship class bigger and make it fair Fair. to, for judging to really, because what they do differently in obedience than what they do in rally. So, you know, normally in obedience, you go in at, at the dogs at that level, they're doing open begin, they're doing utility beat. <clears throat> so in a normal trial, you would go in to the open B ring and you have your exercises and they can be in one of six orders, but you have your healing, your command discrimination, your drop on recall, your retrieve on the flat, your retrieve on the high, your broad jump and your stand stay get your leash. And then in utility, you have your signals, your articles, your gloves, your moving stand, your direct to jumping. And so what they do for obedience is there's eight rings and Each judge is in a different ring and each judge has three exercises. And so it's a mix. So I might do two utility exercises and an open exercise in one ring and then go to the next ring and do, you know. And so the judges, you're not in there very long. And it's a way for you to show to all the judges and to make the scores a little more equitable, you know. Um, And I think it's a little easier on the judges because you don't have to stay focused on each individual dog as long because you're only judging three exercises versus an entire, you know, 16 obstacle course. And, and then what they do after the first day is they get their top 50 and the top 50 go on and show in the morning of the second day. And there's still eight rings, but then they, they switch up what each ring is in, what each judge is judging. Um, and it goes pretty fast. And then they do the top 20 and then they, then you don't do everything. It's, it's, The exercises are selected. It seemed this year the exercises were selected to be quick and to have as few number of jumps that needed to be changed as possible and also kind of separate the the best dogs. Like you did directed jumping twice, but you only did one broad jump and you did, what did you do? Like three retrieve on the flats and no retrieve on the high or one retrieve on the high or something like that. Like they were trying to make it go quickly and it did. Um, And so it keeps it fast paced. It keeps it easier to judge. Um, And so I don't know how you could, unless you did partial rally courses and you split them up between judges, I'm not really sure how you could make it bigger and make the judging fair. And I feel like trying to do partial courses and splitting them up and going around might be a nightmare. Um, (laughs) A logistical nightmare. (laughs) So yeah, I mean, like mini
1: rally courses, basically at that point, and then I don't think you get the whole the whole picture at that point from a judging aspect. Mm -hmm. Whereas obedience, you're being judged not on time, I believe, right?
0: Right, correct. Yeah,
1: you're you're judged on the actual performance and accuracy exactly event okay yeah, exactly. so i mean i you can't you could not do the same thing for obedience as you could or you can't right. do the same thing as rally as you could for obedience so yeah it, it would be impossible
0: so i think i mean i think then i don't know it'd be interesting to talk to some of the judges especially the judges that did championship if they were like oh this was great or if they went oh my gosh yeah <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure those judges are especially the ones that had the championship were tired i mean they had to have been right um you know but i think i think it was pretty well thought out and it ran for the most part i thought it ran pretty well the only the only thing i thought was a little interesting um masters shared a ring with i think it was advanced and because they wanted all the walkthroughs at the same time they literally like set up the one course, everybody at that level walked it, changed the course, walked everybody at master's, changed it back to, I believe it was advanced, ran everybody in advanced, changed it back to master's, and then ran everybody in master's. And I'm like, that seems like, I mean, I understand they were trying to keep all the walkthroughs at the same time, but I'm not sure that's the move I would have made, I guess, maybe. But, you know, it's their first year doing this, Format and I would imagine that they're going to take what they learned from this. And you know, and and I don't know, of course, and running four dogs, let me tell you what, you don't really have time to know what else is going on. I will tell you that. Um, so (laughs) no, I I don't know what (laughs) well, I don't know what the what like Diane Schultz and and those guys were what they were liking about what how it was going, what they didn't like. I imagine there will be some adjustments, you know, it's the first year. I really did think. The first year for doing this expanded format, it went pretty smoothly, um, all things considered. Uh, But, uh, you know, I'm sure there will be some things that they learn from it. They'll tweak for next year.
1: Um, Oh, sure. I mean, there's always learning opportunities every year for every national championship that you do. Because just like your championship this year went for four days, this is the first year AKC did agility for four days over for championship Mm -hmm. and... Mm -hmm it was an absolute must. So, I mean, there was a lot of, lot of definitely learning curves that came with this year for agility. And I'm Mm -hmm. sure there was the same for obedience this year. So yeah, yeah, I'm sure everybody was taking notes plenty at the, on the upper levels there.
0: Yeah. And I will say like the obedience, I thought, especially the second day of the obedience, I mean, the first day they've been doing that part of the format for quite a while. And I think this is the 20, this was the 29th, I believe NOC. And so you know they've been doing that part for a while. They they keep kind of adjusting how they do the second day. And I thought it was probably the most fast paced day. Um, I mean, gosh, we were done. We were out of there by three. Like they were done running everybody, tabulating everything, doing the runoffs, and awarding it by like three o'clock in the afternoon. And that which and they started at eight thirty in the morning. So that was that was a huge improvement over the past. Like I thought they did that really, really well. Um, So it was, you know, but you, you, you tweak it, but like I say, the NOC, they've been running that two day format with, you know, everybody runs the first day, does all eight rings. You take the top 50, they run the next day in the morning, then you get your top 20 and then they run and then you get your top 10 out of that. Um, So that's been they've done that for a little while now. I know they've experimented with different stuff, but so they're able to make the little finite adjustments to make it, you know, better. So.
1: Well, you know, as everything gets better with time, wine, mm-hmm. every, every piece of alcohol, sometimes some breakfasts, sometimes some lunches, <laughs> uh, sometimes you <laughs> leave it in the refrigerator for too long and then it just goes bad. But uh, oh. nonetheless, so yeah, it sounds like you had a great time though.
0: I did. And I want to give a shout out. So the winner this year is Corey Bavis from Minnesota with her amazing dog, Baker. And so Baker, he has finished second in the NOC and then he has won it before in the past year. He won the NOC. He went down last December. He won the classic, which is the same weekend as it runs the same time as the invitational. Then he went to Westminster this spring and won obedience at Westminster. And then he came back here in June and won his second NOC. And to watch those two in the ring, you want to talk about there is a line in obedience that talks about the utmost in willingness and enjoyment. And that is Baker and Corey. They are something. And he had a rare mistake for him on day one. He actually failed something, which doesn't happen very often. And he still he failed a 30-point exercise. There are eight rings. And grand total, he had 32 points off. So that means out of everything else, he only lost two points total in eight rings. I mean...
1: That's impressive.
0: That's wild. And then I believe his... um, The top 50 goes, and they judge, and I don't remember how he did there, but then the top 20, you actually have two judges judging you at once, and they combine... So like if one judge says you have a point and a half off and the other one says you had a point off, then you end up with two and a half points off. And with two judges judging him in the four rings at the end of the day, he still only had, I think a point and a half off or something like that. Two and a half, maybe, I don't know, not much. It was, I mean, the dog is, they are amazing. They're, they are truly amazing. And, you know, there has been at least one other dog that's won the NOC twice. Um, and But I don't think any dog's ever gone on the run that, that Baker and Corey have been on in the past year. And and plus, Corey is one of the nicest. She's a great competitor, but she's also an excellent sport. She's very kind. She's supportive of her students. She's supportive of her fellow competitors. And it's nice to see somebody who's works that hard and does that good of a job and is that good of a human being winning like that. So, you know, got to shout out to them because that's we're witnessing probably one of the best obedience dogs you're ever going to see doing this thing. That's and that's awesome. pretty great.
1: What, uh, what breed?
0: He's a golden retriever.
1: Uh, okay. So, so number numbers wise, what was the most popular breed in that, uh, nationals?
0: Um, for the obedience, I would about promise you it's goldens golden's and or border collies probably golden's um i will say it was kind of an interesting year and that usually when they're announcing the top 50 it's golden 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 with some other stuff sprinkled in and um, then when they first started it was like border collie border collie border collie lab golden border collie border collie um the border collies really kind of cleaned up the first day and there were several labs um there was a siberian husky this year that made the top 50 and that dog was awesome And I cheered my stupid head off for that dog because I was like, heck yeah, furry dogs. And there was a Lochen that made the finals. And I think that's the first one I've ever seen doing obedience. So that was neat. I mean, and you get an, I mean, you see like there was a briard, there was some schnauzers, there was a German German short hair pointer that made the top 10. That's a, that's a really nice working dog. Tollers, um, there were two Sammies. There was mine and another one. Like I said, there was uh, one year there was a Malamute that made finals. That was pretty awesome. He was a cool dog. Um, you know, so you see a mix of their Papillons. There's several Papillons that we're in. Um, I'm trying to think what else. Uh, there's a really fantastic trainer from Missouri who has quezons. Um There's, I mean, you see it a nice mix of breeds. And of course you get some breeds that, that are like mine, that if you get an arch point, you're going to be in, but you still have to do well enough to get the arch point. Like, it's not like, you know, it's definitely no gimme. I mean, anybody, anybody that picks up an arch point, you have had to perform at a level of competence above just barely surviving. I mean, you have to be good. Um, so and it's hard. I mean, you get there, and some dogs get in that environment with eight rings going at once, and kind of go, "Oh, baby." And <laughs> mine might have been one of those dogs. <laughs> but <laughs> <laughs> poor son. But you know, it's she did some stuff pretty well, and she did some stuff that just yeah. But you know, and then I look around, and gosh, she beat several. She still finished in front of several watch dogs, and she still. You know, I mean, it's I will say if you ever get the chance as an obedience competitor to go and watch or better yet steward and be there. I think sometimes when you see these dogs that are performing at the top levels of the game and you are at a show and they're winning and you're like, oh, my gosh, I can't even pass or whatever. Or I can barely slot by with a 175 or something like that. You think that these dogs are like invincible and, you know, you go to these competitions and you see dogs, really good dogs make some kind of silly mistakes and, you know, some really good dogs that then, you know, fail multiple rings. Um, and, and then it's like, okay, but obviously these dogs are good a lot of the time. And obviously they're probably going to come back and be good again, you know, and it's you know, you obviously always want to go to a national competition and do well. And I know, like, I know Sonnet's about capable of doing better than she did. But at the same time, you know, it was her first time doing something like that. It's, and it's a lot to go in, do three exercises, come out, go to the next ring, do three exercises, come out. That is a grueling day. And, you know, she never looked at me and said, no, I'm not going to do this. You know, she may have spaced out a few times, but you know, who That's hasn't awesome. spaced out sometimes, you know, I mean, <laughs> <laughs> so I, you know, it's, it's, but you watch and then you're like, well, gosh. And, you know, even like say even Baker, who's about as close to perfect as you're ever going to see a dog be failed an exercise one day, you know, and so you look at that and you go, okay, I mean, it'll probably be a whole lot of times before he fails something again, but even the very best have moments.
1: You know, but it's like it does happen to the best of the best. It's like you know, going back to herding or agility, and you've seen these dogs in local competitions knowing that they can't put a foot out of line, it can happen at the worst yep. possible time. And mm-hmm. all you can do is a hand there going, Well, that's uh, that is what happens after a while. It's gonna, yep, you can only have a streak for so long, that streak is going to break. Exactly.
0: Yep. Well, and like anything, whether it's agility or whatever, you got to at a competition like that, you got to go for it. And when you go for it, sometimes you're going to succeed. And sometimes when you're pushing that hard, sometimes you're going to miss. And that's just part of competing. And, you know, you just learn from it and be like, well, you know, at least we tried, at least we gave it a good go. And I think that's, and then you go back, you know, I already have plans for what I want to be working on this next year. I mean, Sonnet's already qualified for next year, you know, so we'll be training and working and hopefully we can do better, you know?
1: Right. Well, and to me, the sign of a perfect handler is not how you handle successes, but how you handle failures, not failures while you're training at home, but failures while you're in the middle mm-hmm. of competition. Mm-hmm. Can you, can you withstand that mental pressure of, crap now i gotta start from scratch where i'm already i'm behind the eight ball at this point so now i gotta pick it up and i gotta be better at that point and if exactly. you can do it, it sounds like they did obviously that, right. that to me that's a perfect handler regardless of what your yeah. final results are mm-hmm. how you pick yourself up and how you move on
0: well exactly and you know i've seen and i will see for the most part when i watch these handlers at these big events you know a lot of these people have been doing this a long time and most of them handle it pretty well. You know, if, you know, it's obviously disappointing, but you're like, well, poop. All right. That's how it goes. And you just do your best and help your dog out and try to, you know, and go train. Does, does everybody handle it? Well, no. Um, (laughs) but I think that comes
1: with experience and time.
0: And I think just, you know, the understanding that, you know, it's two of you out there living fallible beings and, you know, these dogs, some of these dogs, especially that are so, you know, some dogs are kind of streaky and they're either hot or cold. Sonnet's kind of like that. She's either really on her game or she's really not. And, you know, she wasn't down there this year, but okay. But like some of these dogs that are ultra consistent, I think the people are so shocked. And of course you get there and you really want to be good. And you're like, oh my gosh. And, you know, and there's not a lot of room for Eric. That's because it's a championship event. And, um, right you know, but you just, and we saw some dogs, like some really excellent dogs in the top 20 makes the mistakes that, you know, if they showed a hundred more times, wouldn't make those mistakes, but they're a dog in the moment and you go, well, okay, that's, and you're just, but I mean, you, you've got to be, be proud that you're there. You got to be proud that you went in there and did it. And then like I say, you make a training plan and you try to get better and hopefully come back and do it again. So
1: Absolutely, yeah, you know, just gotta yeah pick it up and go back and start from scratch from training because once nationals is over, you are starting from scratch again,
0: mm hmm. Mm-hmm. And yeah, so then you gotta, like I say, in my breed, I don't have to worry too much about qualifying. Um, but <laughs> I guarantee you, the 20 points she has already in this qualifying period are plenty to get her uh qualified for next year, and hopefully, we'll have more before. The end of the year, but um, the end of the qualifying period. But um, you know, for now, we've got we're gonna go back and work on actually getting our arch. Um, that would make her the third arch samoyed in history if she gets it done. When she gets it done, we're gonna be positive. Um, we're gonna keep working on our mock. We're gonna, you know, we got we got stuff to do, and so we had fun, always, always, always stuff to do. always <laughs> stuff to do. We had fun, we went, and now we got you know and just trying to enjoy it. You know, everybody, you know, I take the end of the day, I give my dog a hug and a kiss and she gets up in the bed and she cuddles with me and we go to sleep and, you know, I don't love her any less because, you know, I, I really wish she'd, especially her last ring, <laughs> her last ring was very, very bad. <laughs> like <laughs> I wish she hadn't had it, a very, very, and, and uncharacteristically, like not mistakes she would normally make. Um, And I think she just kind of, I think if we could have done seven rings and been out, I would have felt a lot better about it. Ring number eight. That was apparently the last brain cell left before ring number eight. But, you
1: know.
0: <laughs> and so was I pretty frustrated? Yeah. But at the same time I look at it and I, you know, Sonnet is not really built for this mentally. She is really to do stuff like this. You really want more dog. I mean just, just more. A dog that's like go, go, go. Like honestly, Raz mentally is probably she's got a lot more mental oomph and if she lived in a different situation would probably be a, a really phenomenal competition dog. And what I really appreciate about Sonnet is even though she's really not enough dog to work at this level, she still does. And she does she never says no to me. Sometimes she's like, huh? But she never says no. And that takes a lot of heart and that's you know, she, that dog wants so much for me to be happy with her. And so even when I'm frustrated because I'm like, you can be better than this at the same time, I have to go, you know, it takes more of herself to do this than it does for your average dog, for your, for the other average dogs, these competitions, they're they don't have to give as much of themselves to do to perform well. And she has to give me everything she's got. And you know, she does. Most of the time she does. And so like I say, I wish I'd had a touch more dog over the weekend, but at the same time, man, I just, I can't fault her, her desire. And I can't fault her heart. And she's doing some really wonderful things. And so, you know, I can't ask for more at the end of the day. I can't ask for more out of my dog. So
1: Well, that's awesome. Well, it sounds like you had a successful trip and looks like you got a lot to look forward to working towards and getting better for next year and all that fun prep work as we all know how it goes for starting over from beginning of every start of the year and for every season that we do this. So, oh, good luck with that one. Sounds like fun. Well,
0: thank you. Yeah, it will be fun. We're going to have a good time. (laughs) We're going to have a good time on the way. So, for sure. All right.
1: Well, that about does it for this episode here, for uh, wrapping up about the uh, NLC here and the RNC here. Mary, thank you so much for taking us through for, the, uh, for this uh, past weekend there. And we will see you guys out there uh, next time. And thanks for joining us. Have a great rest of the night.
0: Awesome night, everybody.